today. I believe anyone 57 years in one place, starting at the age of 17, is worthy of a standing ovation. Let's give him and the Lord a good hand clap of praise as he comes to this pulpit today. Glory. You can be seated for a moment. I fly a lot. And uh, I don't have it to do it. I don't spend a lot on first class, but I've flown so much. At times I get it. And uh, I used to think, well, that's crazy. It's no difference. It's just a seat on the plane. But if you've had the experience, there's a big difference in first class and back behind first class. They pull the curtain on you, leave you back there. It's a better place to sit when you weigh three none of your business pounds. And uh, they bring you food, especially if you're on a foreign trip. And man, it's just something. Well, I want to tell you, and this is from my heart, I got first class this week. We've been going all week, but I'm telling you, when I walked in this church, it nearly took my breath away. But I'll tell you something else. It's kind of like a lot of folks like to watch you push the cart to the top of the hill and then they jump on and ride down. And uh, we're guests in this place, but I love every one of you. Let's everybody give everybody in the Neosho Church a good hand right now. Praise God. I love all of these Samsons. Don't care who knows it, they're some of my very favorite people. Such good spirits, they mean business. Proof of the pudding's in the eating. I believe that, don't you? Stand with us. We want to go to the word of the Lord for a little while. We so appreciate what we heard last night from Brother Fox. Never met him before, but I feel like now I've known him all my life. And uh, I'm anxious to hear Brother Burgess tonight. We're almost kin folks, like it or not. Hackler. My grandson is about to marry one of his relatives, Sister Juliana Hare. And uh, it rarely happens, but both of them are getting the best of the trade. And I believe that. Praise God. It's wonderful. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing him tonight. I want to read this afternoon in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to turn. beginning at verse number 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. A one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you, the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, 
are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Pastor Samson, if you will, pray over this message today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there needs to be a resurrection of some things in the church. I remember when you didn't go two weeks without a message in tongues interpretation. I remember when the diagnosis at church was greater than an MRI. God worked miracles. And we always look forward to the preachers that were used of God in the deep realm of the spirit. And uh, I know in our own church, I don't know how true it is in every other church, when you had certain preachers coming, people would say, well, I've got to hurry and get home from school. I've got to pray because they'll tell me what I've been doing if I don't get it straight. And uh, we need a resurrection of that. But if you'll let me this morning, that's not what I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about the one that nobody sees, nobody really thinks is important until they get in a position of leadership and find out. And that is the gift of helps. We certainly honor the ministry, the prophetic ministry, and the gifts of the Spirit. But I'll tell you what, we need to honor our helps. And that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, in the nine spiritual gifts, there's three knowledge gifts and three power gifts and three vocal gifts. And all the things that those gifts do if you go into the Old Testament, every one of them have examples except the vocal gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But you know, as God goes on, things get better, not worse. But when you look in the Old Testament, armor bearers appears 18 times. And this is from a Hebrew word, nasal, which means to lift up or hold up. You know, it was their duty to carry the heavy, long shield of the warrior. And they had to take care of that shield because enemies in those days used poison darts and flaming arrows and different things to kill their enemies, they often covered these with leather and it was an armor bearer's duty to anoint that leather every day with oil and to rub it down to keep those darts from piercing that and setting the thing on fire. 
I'm telling you, there's no substitute today for the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. And it may be your job. Somebody say, well, they never call my name. Listen, God knows what goes on in pitch darkness. God has not lost your number. You need to get behind your church and your man of God in this church and help them to be protected against the enemy. They had to see that their soldier that they were waiting on had strength and food. They had absolute love and respect for his leader. He had to get close enough. You know, preachers are like you are in a lot of respects. We have moods. I'll never forget reading the story, and I know everybody here has heard it. But this woman said, honey, you got to get ready. It's church time. He said, I don't want to go to church. Come on, everybody's going to be there. I hate all of them. He got up on the bed to try to get away from his wife. Said, I do not want to go. She said, you have to go. You're the preacher. So if you want gifts of the Spirit, it may not be what you're looking for. It may be something behind the scenes that nobody notices. But his identification with the soldier that he was assigned to, he tried to get as close as he could to that soldier. He understood he is moved. Listen, people say, well, he ought not to have done this and he ought not to have done that. How many hundred times have you done something that wouldn't have been good for anybody to do? You need to understand that leadership is human too. But this armor bearer in the Old Testament, he stayed close enough to his leader so he could instinctively follow his thought pattern. Now, I grew up in a nominal church that they almost voted every time they wanted to go to the bathroom. They voted for everything. But you know what? We need to learn to understand what's going on. Sometimes you don't have time for a voting. You just need to get on the bandwagon. Everything that leadership does does not make sense. They were surrounded by the enemy. It was hot, it was dry. They were just seeing visions of water. And here comes the preacher. And he said, I heard from God. Tomorrow we're going to dig this valley full of ditches. That is crazy. 
But people that are used of God as helps will look for the shovel. A well would have made much more sense because there's underground springs. But to dig a ditch in a virtual desert makes no sense at all. But you know preachers, they don't know nothing except some of them can sing. I don't even have that ability. So I can't quit and sing if I get in deep way. I always told Brother Ronnie Smart, I said, well, you guys can get by because if y'all spill your watermelon seeds, then you can just stop and sing. But they dug the ditches. I don't even know one of their names. You can research it if you think it does. But I want to tell you, the prophet wouldn't have the name he's got today. It wouldn't be in the word of God, the story that we know, if it hadn't been for that little man that said, he said, dig, so we're gonna dig. You know it won't do any good and we'll die first and we'll dehydrate. You don't tell me what to do. Our man of God said, dig a ditch and we're gonna dig it. They didn't have to stop and have a vote right into headquarters to see if it was all right to dig a ditch. This story would have ended a lot different. Every church has their personality. And I don't know where you go to find a perfect church. Somebody said, well, when they went there, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. So there's no such thing. They dug the ditch. And the next morning, the hot sun came out just like it had been. But guess what? The sunshine on that water that God sent into the ditch looked like blood. And the enemy said, we have had it. And they turned and ran. And God's people were spared. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that story carries weight with me because the inconsequential individual that his name's not recorded, he never wrote a book in the Bible, but he got a shovel and dug. I wonder today, we want a gift of the Spirit. What about getting a gift of helps? The armor bearer had to walk in agreement and submission to his leader. Well, how can that be? Well, I knew him when he was a kid. I remember going to preach a funeral in my hometown. My dad was in World War II. My older brother was two years old before my dad ever got to see him. He never got a leave or anything during the war, but he came home, went to work one day, and when he got off work, I was born. As it so happened, my daddy had never held a little baby. He'd never been around a newborn. And at the same time, the little game of tiddlywinks was popular. And they said he walked in, and he said, my Lord, that's just a little tiddlywinks. And to this day, 75 years later, people know me in my hometown as Tiddlywings. 
I was called to preach a funeral. And a lady in the community, she wasn't in the church, said somebody told her, said, oh, he's not tiddlywinks, he's doctor now. And she was being smart. But I knew nothing about it. And I got up and I said, well, in case you didn't know with all this white hair, I'm tiddlywinks. I managed to hit that woman right in the kisser. But see what I'm getting to. You may know Brother Sampson from his childhood. How old was he when y'all came here? Nine years old. Every mistake he's ever made in his life was here. What did he do? I have no earthly idea and don't want to know. So don't waste your time trying to tell me. But let me tell you what. I don't care what took place. Every right thing the man's ever done was done right here. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Just look around you. Listen, this would not be here without the leadership that you have in this church. So what are you getting to, preacher? When you want to be in disagreement, you need to look at the office they hold instead of looking at their flaws and their failures, whether they're fat or skinny or whatever. You need to look at this is who God has put in my path. Am I gonna dig a ditch or am I gonna polish your shield? All I need to do is discern what your mood is. First Peter 5 and 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You know, sometimes you get corrected when you just absolutely know it was not your fault. My best friend in elementary school, I didn't, wasn't in a Christian school in those days, but his mother was a teacher, and our teacher in the fifth grade was gone for the afternoon, and she told us to go in Miss Ruth's class. And I'd known her all my life. It, it almost hurts me to, enough to cry right now. And it's been a while since I was in the fifth grade. But I misunderstood the whole deal. And, and I really did misunderstand. I was under a tree playing long after the bell rung. And I got to looking around and nobody was there. So I got up and strolled back to the schoolhouse. And Miss Ruth met me at the door with a paddle. And she warmed up my backside and said, you knew when that bell rang to come in this school. She wasn't right. I did misunderstand, but it sounds like a, a kid's lie. And I know that. And with maturity, I understand that. But you see, there's one little problem with that. She was the teacher, and I wasn't. You need to learn 
to endure rebuke, whether you think it's wrong or not. And nine times out of ten, you're going to find out down the road, well, you know he really was right. I'm talking about, just for a few minutes today, about learning to be a help. First Peter 2 and 20. For what glory is if you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. I deserve this. I pulled Susie's hair and I got caught. I deserve this. But if when you do well and suffer for it, that's going to tell you who the helps are when they misunderstood. It's going to happen. You take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And I don't want to meddle in your business, but when the old bell cow comes up and says, now you know good and well they didn't do you right. You don't need to listen to that one five minutes. I'll never forget he's here today, but my son used to come home and uh, he could have been a lawyer. In fact, the lawyer told me I ought to send him to law school. He'd come in, Daddy, I got a demerit for blah, 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 and I didn't deserve it. And I said, really? Got a question. Did you ever do anything they didn't catch you for? Well, yeah. I said, this is for one of those times. Shut up and get on. That's funny, laughing at that little kid. But we was painting in our church. And I took Brother George Hanna. I called Sherwin Williams and the guy agreed to go to the store way in the night, open the store to get us the paint we needed that he was going to have to mix. And we was going. And I'm telling you, standing behind this sacred desk, and that's not usually true, but I was not speeding. And the cop pulled me over. And I explained what we was doing. And yeah, yeah. And he handed me a ticket. I was mad enough to die. Because I usually speed and I wasn't. I got home and boy, I was laying it out. He said, Daddy, have you ever speeded when they didn't catch you? Yeah, he said, this, this is for one of those times. So helpers, if you're misunderstood and your intentions were good and leadership missed it, keep your mouth shut and keep marching on because they're just getting you for one of them times they didn't see you. And if you'll stick with it and bind together in unity, we're going to have a glorious outcome. God said, take it patiently if you get instructed and rebuked when you're not guilty. He said, this is the acceptable will of God. Don't listen to private talk against leadership. When somebody tells you, now I'm gonna tell you something, but don't go tell the preacher. You need to tell them, of course some of you can't stand it, you need to tell them, I don't want to hear it because the minute you tell me, I'm going to that phone and call and tell them. 
David was Saul's armor bearer. But somewhere or another, Saul got jealous. You know the story, he was trying to kill David. David and his men went back in a cave. And all at once, here came Saul. They went into the cave, but not as deep as David did. And they were asleep. And on the way out, in the Old Testament, probably it would have been okay. But he was loyal as a help. And he just cut off a part of Saul's garment. It didn't change the situation, except he held it up. Said, here it is. People said, well, he is crazy. He could have killed him and been rid of his problems. No, he had enough problems without killing him. He said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. It's not going to happen. If he's wrong, he's wrong. I don't know what everybody preaches now, but I know what they used to preach. Stick with the preacher. If the preacher gets wrong, God will get him. If you get wrong, he'll get the preacher and you. Somebody said, well, nobody ever notices. I vacuum, I do this, I do that. Nobody ever sees it. You know what, that's sad because you work yourself to death and you're not going to be rewarded with an attitude like that. But this man, he did his best to protect the warrior he was assigned to. Proverbs 29, 21, he that delicately bringeth up a servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. If you be faithful, it's gonna pay off. I cried last night thinking about them white Walmart chairs. I don't think I ever wanna see another one. But you know what? Enduring that. Laying up against that wall singing when you felt like walking out. It has paid off. The story, most of us old heads was raised with flannel graph. In the card class, as Brother Roy Riley used to call it. And we've seen picture after picture of Naaman the leper. And we've heard so much about Elisha and what he told him. But let me point out a help in this story. A little girl that had every human right to hate all of the Syrians because they had been taken captive and I'm sure she hadn't personally done anything. And somebody said, we're gonna assign you to be the maid to Naaman's wife. She fixed her hair just like it was her closest friend. She didn't get to go home at night. She was exposed to the Syrians' way of doing things. But the, the man came down with leprosy, had a death sentence hanging over his head. He's wearing himself to death. I don't know her name and you don't either, but she was a help. She said, uh, you know what? There's a man, a prophet in my country by the name of Elisha 
And if you could just get to him, it'd all be all right. So he thought, well, I can buy anything. So he loaded it down. He must have been expecting the doctors we deal with today. But somebody told him they're coming with the wagons loaded with goods. And Elisha said, well, I'm just busy right now. And told the man, go to the door and tell him to go dip seven times in the River Jordan. Now to convert that into Missouri and Arkansas language this morning, it's this, go jump in the lake. He was so mad. He said, a bottom far par, you can see the bottom in my own country. And he tells me to go dip in the muddy Jordan River. But a servant came and said, you know what? If he'd asked you to have done something great, you'd have done it. It's worth a try. And Lord, the pride, he dipped once, twice, three times, four, five, still had leprosy, went down the fifth time and the sixth time, still had leprosy. Friend, don't think that God does not mean what he said. If God told you something, he'll stand behind it. But you're gonna have to go all the way. Somebody overheard it. Gehazi said, well, you know, after he got healed, I just want a little bit of that. So he tried to slip in and take advantage. Be careful. If you're in a position to help, you better help and let it stop. And God caught up with him. And he got the leprosy that Naaman had. And he died. There was a man in Mark the second chapter. And I'm just kind of teaching you a little bit about helps today. How important you are. I told them last night, I said, my, if everybody seen this, we'd have missed that good message. They some hours went into that food. Some of you don't cook probably, you just eat. And say, well, it's a little bit too sweet for me or this or that. I don't like to eat that that late at night. I like that food regardless of when it is. You can set alarm and get me up. But I'm sure there were some helpers around somewhere that their name's not been called over the Bible stand. But guess what? God does not keep botchy books. He wrote it in his book. And good times are coming. This man was so paralyzed that probably would have diagnosed him with Lou Gehrig's or something worse today. Couldn't walk a step. And somebody heard the healer was in town. And instead of this guy hunting something, to go get healed for. He said, I know a man that needs his service. And he talked it up to his friends. Don't down your church. It's already been mentioned several times in this meeting. Don't do it and don't allow anybody to do it in your presence. He went and told them the healer is in town. And he got three men to go with him. And not one of their names can you find. But this story would be unknown to us if somebody hadn't been willing to work behind the scenes without being seen. 
He said, I can't go. I, you know, I have no way to go. I said, yes, you do. There's four of us here and we'll carry you. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to church anymore. There's too many hypocrites there. But they'll go to the same gas station. And if the hypocrite would tell them you can't buy gas here, they'd be mad enough to fight. You have to go to church to qualify to be a hypocrite. If you want to find the world's greatest concentration of hypocrites, go to church. But if you're not worried about that and you want God's favor, go to the same church. I'm telling you, God won't leave you on the sideline. They got there and the crowd was so great they couldn't even get close to where Jesus was. Well, I tried. You can't nobody say I didn't try. But a real help finds a way. He said, well, let's get up there and take the roof off. Listen, it disturbs the devil when you get to worshiping. That little old boy down here, I think it's probably the Samson's grandson. She's trained her dancers all their lives. I hadn't missed, you know, everybody gets something out of something. But I, I just thrilled to death to watch them little old fellas shouting, dancing. And man, they got steps I've never seen, but they've seen somebody have them. They're going to be like a Buick car. You'll never know when to change gears. You grow up and get the Holy Ghost and keep on dancing. So, they removed the roof. And these four nameless men that were just helpers let the man down in front of Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, man, your sins be forgiven you. Well, that didn't convince everybody. And let me tell you something else. Everybody in the world is not going to be convinced. He said, well, who can forgive sins but God only? Did you hear what he said? Well, they had it more right than they thought. He was God. But Jesus perceived their thoughts and said, which is easier to say? Man, thy sins be forgiven thee or arise. Take up thy bed and walk. He got up, picked up his bed, and walked home after it took four to carry him to Jesus. The unity of four unnamed men made this story possible. God is looking for people to give today. Yes, we need a revival of tongues, interpretation, prophecy, the discerning of spirits, but oh God, what the church really needs is this gift of helps. Apostle Paul, you know we say the sound was a little bit loud, but this man could truthfully say, and it's in the Holy Writ, by my mouth has all Asia heard the gospel. In Acts 9, they had a plan to kill Paul. They put guards on every gate, said when he comes through, kill him. But the Bible just said disciples, and there's a reason for everything the Bible says and does not say. Said, look, 
I got a big basket, big enough to hold him. He must have been skinny like some of y'all. They put him in a basket and let him down over the wall. And those guys were so mad they almost had a stroke. But certain disciples learned I don't have to be the one going to Asia. I'm going to help send him. I'm not the apostle, but I'm going to help him. I'm telling you, this story would have ended quite different if somebody hadn't stepped up to the plate without a requirement for recognition. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Now Amalek, it goes back a long ways and I'm not going to take the time for all that, but it would be a representation of the flesh. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. Your flesh will get you in trouble. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. I've had to do this in school for talking. Do you ever have to hold a book? Brother, it gets to weigh in a ton. In just a few minutes. It may be funny in a joke at first, but it doesn't end up that way. So, they didn't say, well, you said tomorrow you's going to stand on the hill and we's going to win. They said, here's a rock. Moses sat down. I'll hold your arm up. Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it. In the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly pull out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from this generation. Listen, God can take care of this. Micah 7 and 8 says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You know what? You have a choice today. You can either give up or get up. True story. It's not a Bible story, but it's true. Robert the Bruce was the king of Scotland from 1306 to 1319. 
King Edward I of England invaded and caused Robert to go into hiding. He thought, I can't win if I stay here and I want to live. You know you want to live. The Bible said every man would give everything he's got just to live. But the story says that when Bruce got to looking, there was a spider trying to put one of those webs across and he'd do it and he would fall and the web would fall. But he crawled right back up the wall and did the same thing again. And he said, you know, I hadn't got but one life to lose. I'm going to go out of this cave and I'm fighting to the finish. He fought Edward for 14 years. And he finally won the war in the Battle of Benockburn in 1314. You know why? He was persistent. I'm going to win. If your leadership, Brother Kelly and Sister Sampson, or the young Brother Sampson, that couple is tremendous. I told their grandma last night, there she is, you have such a wonderful family. You know what makes them wonderful? They love God and they're consistent. I would have bad shock and my blood pressure would go through the roof if I came up here and Sister Kathy Sampson was sitting somewhere mad and bulled up when everybody else was shouting. So I just expect you to get into service. You just have to, if you get old and on a cane, just take your cane and tap it. Sparta, historical wars are told of. And mothers, you know, sometimes I had one to tell me one time, my children knows that all this stuff is wrong. And I'll tell them how wrong y'all are. But every one of those children's been in trouble and some of them's been buried in the last year. But the Spartans were known for their warfare. When they got ready to go to war, mama walked out there. Now that, that shield wasn't easy to carry, it's tall. And she said, young man, talking to her own son, you go to war and you either come back with that shield or you come back on it. Knowing that if he came back with it, they won the war. And if he came back on it, they fought to the finish. I'm telling you, it's time for the church today to fight to the finish. If they'd do it, I'd like for the four Samsons to come down here and stand right in front of this Bible stand, please. Brother Caleb, his wife, and Sister Kathy, and Brother Kelly, and everybody that goes to this church, it's kind of odd. But everybody stand with us if you will. But I want the men of this church to come and hold up the arms of these men. And some of the sisters hold up their arms. Let's let hell know today that we're in it to fight for the finish.
If we need a touch, we'll just anoint that shield and rub it in so they can fight. I'm not giving up no matter what the danger is. Saul messed up. He lost out. And he asked his armor bearer, said, kill me. Said, I can't do it. And the armor bearer in the end fell on his own sword. Oh, God, give us a church that loves leadership better than they love their own life today. God has got what you need in this place. Let's pray for them. Would you do that? You can use